You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Giant Turkey is a little over the line, my man. Continuing on with the 2019 NHL Draft Special brought to you by HockeyProspect.com. My name is Guy Flaming. This is The Pipeline Show. And uh, this segment, the fourth uh, section of uh, the special today, uh, we're going to spend uh, south of the border, south of the Canadian border. I don't want you to think we're going to Mexico. Uh, it's the USHL and a bunch of high school guys as well. Dustin Braxma from HockeyProspect.com joins me once again. Dustin, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good to be with you. Uh, thanks for making the time. Uh, all right, let's get to it. Uh, we had uh, Mark on earlier in the show. He explained all the changes to the Black Book and uh, why there's only, uh, what is it, just over 100 guys ranked, uh, 100 skaters and six goaltenders and some of the ratings, the A's and the B's and the C's, what all that means. Um, so we don't have to touch on that with you. But let's go to one of my favorite parts of the Black Book, uh, Dustin, is the scouts' comments. Uh, and whether they're NHL guys or you and your staff, uh, uh, the other scouts on the uh, hockey prospect staff, I always find those to be really relatable. Just they're in, in normal English, just the way guys talk about players. One of the interesting uh, players, the write-ups, is Bobby Brink. And uh, of the uh, the non-U.S. National Development Program players, we're not going to talk about Team USA in this segment, uh, but one of the highest-ranked uh, USHL guys is Bobby Brink. And his write-up, one of the longest, I think, in the Black Book because the opinions of him seem to be really all over the place, and and it almost seemed like, and I know this is turning out to be the longest question of all time, but um, <laughs> Bobby Brink, it seemed like the, the the opinion of him early on was too small, can't skate, and by the end of the write-up, it's like, still too small, but and still not a great skater, but boy, he does everything else so well that he kind of overlooked the other things. Tell me about Bobby Brink from your opinion. I know we've chatted about him a little bit earlier in the season, but uh, at the end of the year here, a week before the draft, What's your opinion of Bobby Brink? Sure, yeah, and I know there's a wide range of opinions on his skating, and I think it's a, I think it's important at least for me to break down his skating a little bit. Where I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. Um, it's just awkward looking as far as his stride goes. Um, but for he may not have blazing straight line speed, but he has good agility and he has he's very shifty on his feet, so he can. While he doesn't look very fast when he's in full stride, he gets the pucks fast. And he does that, at least in my viewings, he does it out of, he does it through hockey sense and he does it for being shifty and, um, with good east-west agility. So, you know, you can break down his straight ahead speed. Is he, is he the most gorgeous skater you've ever seen? No. Is he the fastest? No. Especially for a player his size, he'd like somebody that, that size to be faster, but I don't think it affects him in the type of game he tries to play so uh, that's why I think you see a lot of quotes in, in the book where he can overcome his skating because you, you can't have three blazers on a line either right like you, you have to have some separation you have to you kind of have to find the soft spots in the defense and stuff so it's not like he's probably never going to be the fastest player on his line and that's okay because he's so good at first of all his routes to pucks are are really good and he reads the play really well. So he comes across a lot faster than um, than it looks when you look at his pure skating stride. Well, and those four categories that are outlined for each player in the Black Book, which, uh, again, fans can go pick up the Black Book at HockeyProspect.com. Uh, but the four categories, hockey, sense, compete, skill, and skating. Skating, as you touched on, not great. So he's a five. But everything else is an eight, and that's on a three to nine scale. So really close to elite in three of the four categories. I mean, it sounds like a yep. really appealing player. 
Yeah, and the one thing that kind of puts him over the top as far as a player, an undersized forward like him, is his work ethic too. And, you know, and you know, I've been watching him for a couple of years now, and he embraces challenges and he works to get better at it. So um, that's another. It's kind of like an intangible where you're also, you know, you add that to the entire formula and. You know, you, you can dismiss his speed because not everybody in the NHL is fast. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think there was one quote by a scout that Logan Couture comes to mind. And that's a great example where he's fast enough with the puck and his hockey IQ makes up for any speed or any lack of skating he might have. Now, I, I won't mention where you guys have uh, players ranked outside of the top 31 because uh, the top 31 is uh, is publicly available on your website uh, already and other places as well. But uh, you have him 15. Coming in at number 20 is the next USHL guy at, with uh, Ryan Johnson uh, from the Sioux mm-hmm. Falls Stampede. I've been trying to get him mm-hmm. on the show for the last uh, almost month now and haven't been able to, to track him down. Uh, I'm intrigued by this guy as well, and obviously you guys like him because he comes in number 20. We do. Uh, as a, I think across the board as a staff, we all like him. Uh, it took me a little bit longer to come around on him than some of the other people. I just kind of wanted to wait to see if there was any offensive pop in his game. And I, you know, I think he can, he's so good defensively and his skating and his four way directional, um, ability is so good. And he, he gets rid of so many scoring chances so easily. It's almost effortless out there that you're almost willing to make up for his lack of offense. And I think some of that might have been situational in Sioux Falls. I think he wasn't really played on the power play. I watched him in midget and triple A with the, with the, um, I think he was the Anaheim junior ducks and he was an offensive powerhouse from the point. Like he could, he was, he opened up lanes. He shifted laterally. I know he um, came down from the point, but he wasn't reckless in doing it. So he has that in his game, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that was part of the program in Sioux Falls, but I eventually came around on him um, late in the year. Um, I had him ranked about where we ended up putting him um, just because of his, his hockey sense and his skating and his ability to shut things down. You know, watching the, you know, the NHL game last night and you watch the step St. Louis blues blue line. And not that I'm going to compare him, but they just, they keep everything out of the middle. Right. And that's exactly what Ryan Johnson does. So I came around on him and I think we have him properly ranked. I think that's probably where he's going to go. I think somebody's going to grab him um, mid to late in the first round. If I had to, if I had to venture a guess on it. All right. Well, if a guy like that uh, falls out of the first round by chance and uh, somebody's getting a pretty good player uh, early in round two, uh, the next guy to chat about is Zach Jones, an undersized defenseman. With the Tri City Storm out of the USHL, you give him a B rating uh, as well as uh, Ryan Johnson. So, in, in terms of the letter grade, uh, not much separating. But uh, you go from twenty for Ryan Johnson down to thirty-eight here for Zach Jones. Uh, tell me about him because I don't think we've chatted about Zach Jones yet. We haven't. And um, the one knock on him early in the year was his skating and his, his agility, his footwork wasn't quite quite where you wanted it to be for a for a high-end prospect where, but he sorted that out in a hurry this year. I don't know if it was due to strength, if he, if he just worked on his skating very hard or if he just got physically stronger, but I no longer think of his skating as a detriment to his game. I think um, it's, it's actually, it's actually, he managed to turn it into a positive in his game. Um, And he was very mature defensively. He kind of, uh, was teamed. I think he was partners with Ronnie Adder there for most of the season, at least the games I saw. And he kind of played the stay at home role in that defensive pairing. And 
he was he's maybe a year and a half, two years younger of a player. He was his rookie year in the league, and I think Ronnie Adder, this was his third year in the league, so second or third. So the younger player sheltered the older player, which is rarely the case in the USHL, and he handled that well, and he was close to a point-per-game player. So he was able to generate offense, um, even playing a support role. So he was a late riser for me. Um, he moved up my rankings, especially in the playoffs. I thought he was fantastic. Um, the bigger the game, I thought he played marvelously. So um, he was a riser for a lot of us. I think um, he kind of popped on the radar at the World Junior A Challenge, and then after that, his game just improved and improved. Dustin Braxma, my guest from HockeyProspect.com. We're looking at USA Challers as well as some uh, guys from high school uh, south of the border in the U.S., uh, whether that's in Minnesota or maybe out on the uh, East Coast. And uh, we're going to move quick because there's a lot of guys who we got to get to, Dustin. Uh, next on the list is uh, coming in, uh, well, it's uh, Jackson Lacombe. I won't say where you have him ranked, but uh, pretty high. Uh, and this is a player, again, we haven't chatted about at all this year. Uh, played at Shattuck St. Mary's, uh, another defenseman, but not undersized, uh, just over six foot one, uh, and lots of room on his frame still to fill out. He's only weighing 170-ish pounds right now. But another B rating, so uh, another guy that uh, might be a good pick in the second round. Yeah, he's an interesting story. He was actually, I think, cut from the Shattuck St. Mary's U16 team and actually played AAA, but he was a forward at the time and then switched to defense and his game just took off. And um, I thought he picked up position. Very, I think he's only been playing defense for maybe a year and a half or two years, and I thought his growth in the position from the beginning of the season to the end of the season was phenomenal. I thought, um, you know, he can kind of question his decision-making at times, but um, he's he's made leaps and bounds in a short time playing a difficult position. So he's a very aggressive defenseman. He jumps up in the play. He does play like a fourth forward. But when he when he holds that back and when he is smarter about his decision making, he's very good. And the upside on him is tremendous. I'd put his his all around skating right up there as good as Ryan Johnson personally with me. I'm not sure if. Everybody on our staff would agree with that, but he's a fantastic skater. So um, I think I think he's got a really high ceiling. Um, and much like Ryan Johnson, he's also a University of Minnesota commit. So they're going to have a couple uh, awesome defensemen here in the next year or two. Well, that answered my next question because I wasn't sure exactly where uh, Jackson Lacombe was headed. So he's uh, joining the Golden Gophers, is that what you said? Yep. All right. Uh, okay, so the next guy we're going to uh, zero in on is uh, a player that uh, I know, I think it was – it might have been you and I that talked. It might have been uh, Mark and I, but uh, Rhett Pitlick was a player that you guys had picked out fairly early, well, about midway through the season, um, and kind yeah. of uh, identified him as as a guy that uh, people should uh, be looking at a little bit more. Um, now, as you watched him over the course of the season, did your opinion change one way or the other? Is this still a guy you're pretty high on in Rhett Pitlick? Um did my opinion change on him? I don't think so. I think I pretty much had him ranked in the same position from start year, start of the year to the finish of the year. I think he still has a little ways to go, but he's a highly skilled offensive player. He needs to add a little more north-south in his game. He gets going east-west, and you know you can get away with that at the high school level a little bit, but he hangs onto the puck a little bit too long. He'll circle back in the neutral zone and stuff like that, just small stuff that He'll learn to to get out of his game, I think. But his offensive skill is fun. I mean, he, he can finish around the net. He works hard. He he's not the biggest kid in the world, but he plays bigger than his size. When he's in battles, you don't think he's five foot eight, five foot nine, or whatever he's listed. So um, 
I, I, I'm a, I think he's, he's one of those players that you watch and you, you, you can just see him in the NHL someday, right? Like he may not be a real high pick. You don't, you know, but he's just one that you think will find a way. And um, that kind of got reaffirmed my thought process on him later in the year when he joined Omaha and it took him a couple games to get his feet wet, but I caught him towards the end of the year and I thought he really improved his North South game and he moved the puck quicker and he's, he's skilled and has the vision to move the puck quicker, but I think he just got in such a routine where you could get away with hanging out on the puck for so long in high school that it took a while for him to realize he can't do that. So um, he's a highly skilled up-tempo player. He's fast. He's, you know, he, he plays a lot like Bobby Brink, but he's a better skater than, you know, as far as speed goes, Right. but he plays a similar type game. He's got the same work ethic. He's a puck hound out there and um, he plays bigger than his size. So there's some comparables as far as um, those two players go. Um, but, yeah, I think, um, like I said, we're not going to say where we have him ranked, but we have him ranked fairly high. And we were we were up on him fairly early in the year when I saw him in, in the uh, fall league and early in the high school season. He was a player that for sure stood out. Well, you give him a B rating. We'll say that much. So that's uh, there you go. kind of a second, third-round pick sort of guy. And another one that gets a B is Shane Pinto, and I, I had Shane on the show uh, fairly earlier this season, and uh, I it was one of the, the standout interviews I felt over the course of uh, the mm-hmm. year, having talked to, I don't know, 75, 85 uh, players uh, this year on the Pipeline show. Uh, and on paper, lots to like, six foot two, 195-ish pounds, uh, and his numbers are pretty good. Uh, tell me about Shane Pinto and maybe what you like about him, but maybe also why he doesn't rank higher. What's he missing that doesn't get him to be, you know, maybe a, a late first rounder or very early second round pick? That's a good question. Um, that was something that, you know, I've thought about throughout the year, too, is why isn't he higher, giving his numbers and the situations he's played in. And I think a lot of it has to do with his, his playmaking ability. I don't think he's an excellent, he has an excellent shot. He's an excellent goal scorer. He goes up and down the ice. He works hard. But I, I just think some of the playmaking isn't quite there yet as far as, you know, it takes a little long for him to see plays develop. And by then the lane's closed off or the situation is closed off and then he relies on his shot. So I think it's just his ability to process situations quickly. But there's a lot to like about him, too, because he works hard. He is a north-south player. Now, you talk about transitioning from a Rhett Pitlick to a Shane Pinto. Shane Pinto is pretty much the exact opposite. He's very much up and down the ice, straight line, stop and start player. Um, I think he might project a little bit better as a winger. I'm not sure if his hockey sense project, projects as a as a centerman down the road, especially um, with his with his playmaking ability not being there yet. But you know, time will tell. Sometimes it takes people time to grow into the center position. So I'm not completely ready to write him off yet because he has a big body and. Um, he has a good net front presence. He's got good hands and he wins battles with his hands and he can fight for position in front and tip pucks. And he's just, he has a lot of pluses in his game. Mm-hmm. I just don't think there's the dynamic ability that you want in a, in a high round pick in a first or a second round pick. I think he's Some team's going to like him because of his size. And when he fills out, I think he's just going to be a tank. He's going to be tough to handle down low and in front of the net. So I think, some team's really going to like him. So he's one of those players that I'm really interested to see exactly what team and system drafts him because I'm not going to mention which teams, but I can see him fitting in with a lot of teams the way the style of hockey they play. And it'd be interesting to see if that's, in fact, one of the teams he goes to. 
Yeah, uh, 59 points in uh, 56 games this year. He played for Lincoln and Tri-City. Uh, the Storm acquired him. They went on the, the deep playoff run you mentioned earlier. He had nine points in the playoffs for them and headed to North Dakota. And for me, that's always a positive. Uh, that's one of the programs where guys go in there. I think, all right, well, that's a, a proven program that uh, produces NHL talent. So I'm definitely intrigued yep. uh, by, by Shane Pinto. Um, next on the list uh, that we'll uh, head to is a, uh, uh, another guy I had on the show, this one fairly recently, John Farinacci. First got to see him at the Lincoln Gretzky Cup. He captained uh, Team mm-hmm. USA uh, in, in that tournament. And, um, I, I, he's, he's a, he was a really good player. I wouldn't say he's dynamic or like a, some sort of a offensive juggernaut, but there was something there, maybe a, a character type uh, player. Uh, your opinion of, of John Farinacci, you've seen him a lot more than I have, I'm sure. Yeah, here's the, here's the thing. I, I, Personally, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be an excellent professional hockey player. I think it may take him some time to get there. I don't think he's as highly offensively skilled as some of the other players in the draft. Um, but I think he's a smart player and you, you touched on it. It's the intangibles. It's the, I think there's going to be teams that want him for what he brings, you know, off the ice and his work ethic and, um, you know, he, he's a good skater. He, he, has, he plays a smart two way game, right? He wins face off. You know, he, it's very – he doesn't stand out. It's not a player that you're like, wow, he's on tonight. But then you walk, you look back after the game and you're like, yeah, all right. I, I, he didn't do anything wrong. You know what I mean? So there was no growing weaknesses in his game. I really wish I could have saw him. I know he battled some injuries throughout the year and he couldn't really play. I know he was brought in with a ski game but couldn't play. Finally, he just – mailed it in and said, I can't, I can't play any more hockey this year. So I would have liked to see him in the USHL to see how he, how he would have done at the end of the year. Um, cause I don't think that prep league out East was enough of, was a really a challenge for him some nights. Um, but he's a smart two way center. And I think, I think he's going to find a role. I mean, he's one of those players that has a, has the hockey IQ and sense to find a role in hockey, no matter what it is. And he's not the type of player that needs to be the number one power play guy needs to get all the minutes or whatever. I think he's, he's going to find a way to find a role down the road. So um, I think he's one of those players too, where five, six, seven years down the road, we're going to maybe wonder how he fell that far in the draft. Right. Like, you know, I'm not sure where he's going to go, but he could turn out to be, how did he go in the whatever round when look at him, you know what I mean? But um, it was just his play at the end of the year. He just didn't play enough. So I could see how he may drop down some lifts. Yeah, 10 years from now, he's going to be the captain of the team he plays for. I don't know if it's in the NHL or the American Hockey League, though. Yep, yep, yeah, that's a good point, absolutely. All right, let's go to uh, Ethan Phillips, and here's a player I don't know anything about. So educate me on uh, Ethan Phillips. Yeah, he started the season at Selects Academy out east and then uh, made the transition to Sioux Falls. And um, he took off. I think he scored in like his first 10 or 12 games or something like that in the USHL. And he just took off and popped on the radar automat like right away with me. The first, the first couple games I saw him, he has, he has excellent vision of the ice. He takes, he's not the biggest player, but he takes smart lines to pucks and wins a lot of races. I mean, he's just, He's just, he thinks the game offensively and around the puck so well and so clean that it puts him in a lot of situations to succeed. He's got good hands in traffic. He's, I think he's got a little bit of ways to go in his two way game. I think, um, track back, track, tracking back into the play and his defensive zone, he can kind of get lost a little bit. 
Um, but he's got good hands and he's an offensive playmaker. Um, and, uh, fast skater. He's, he's, he's got good straight line speed and good feet and traffic. So, um, I think he's got, um, top six offensive ability. We'll just see if the rest of his game rounds out for him to completely get there. But, um, he took off when he got to the USHL, he just took off. And some, sometimes players need to be challenged to get the most out of their game. And he seemed like one of the players that once he got to the USHL and, you know, I think it's certainly one of those players that it helped his draft stock go into the USHL rather than Selects Academy. Because it can be kind of difficult to track those players out east in those prep schools because of the level of competition night in and night out just isn't there. Well, and that's impressive that he was able to make that jump to the USHL and that it, he took off right away, as you described. That that tells me yeah. something about uh, the way he's able to adapt quickly like that, too. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, that, that speaks to his hockey sense and his, his IQ and his ability to, to just jump right in and, you know, be a contributor. And his skill kind of takes over games. And he's a, and the other thing is he's a fearless player. And he, it's not like he jumped into the USHL and was tentative. He, he kind of jumped in with both feet. And that, that probably contributed to his success early on and throughout the year. I think his play kind of hit a wall towards the end, but then he picked it up again in the playoffs. So, He's he's definitely a highly skilled forward. I'm looking forward to seeing who takes him and where he goes. Let's go to Jaden Struble, a defenseman played high school out in Massachusetts, and uh, yeah. the, the categories for him he, he gets good ratings in skating and skill and compete. Not so much in hockey sense. Uh, what's lacking? Well, I think it's it's just his his overall decision making can be questionable at times. He's he's a physical defenseman and he can skate and he he has offensive skill, but I think his judgment can be lacking at sometimes. He gets chasing the play or chasing guys around a little bit, and I think that's maybe where his hockey sense isn't there. But the kid's an athlete, first of all. Like he's six foot. I think he's plus six foot. He's almost two hundred pounds. You look at him and he just looks like an athlete. So. Uh, he can bend, he can just be a little bit careless with his physicality and take himself out of plays. And I think that's where, that's what lacks in his hockey sense. Um, but he can move the puck. He's an excellent skater. Um, he, he has good vision coming when he gains his net and comes out with the puck. He, he can check down and, um, find guys up ice and he, he moves the puck. So I think if he can just kind of rein in his physicality as far as, um, being careless with it, I think he's got tremendous upside. He's one of my favorite, despite his decision making, he's one of my favorite defensive prospects in this league and in this draft. And I think if he was a little bit smarter when it came to um, some of the things he does on the ice, I think he would be way, he'd be in the top end of the draft for sure. Uh, next player for me uh, on the list to chat about is uh, Igor Afanasyev, who played for the Muskegon Lumberjacks out of the USHL. I do remember having him on the show as well. And how many times I butchered his last name. <laughs> it's not the easiest name in the world, but uh, Afanasyev, six uh, three and a half, two hundred pounds. He's an offensive guy, uh, and so again on paper there seems to be lots to like. But he gets a five in uh, both skating and hockey sense. His compete and his skill yeah. look pretty good, but there seems to be some warts to his game. And it might be fair to say hockey prospects not as high on Afanasyev as some others uh, might be. Uh, tell me why. Well. His skating's a five, but I wouldn't call him a poor skater. Five is an average for us. 
I think he's got, for a big kid that carries a lot of weight, he's got pretty good footwork. I just think it's a straight line explosiveness. And in the transition game, he can come across as, as a bad or poor or a below average skater. But he's got, you know, he's good along the board. You know, he's your prototypical power forward, right? Like he, he can win, he can protect the puck along the wall and he can kind of make plays in traffic and he goes to the net. The issue I had with him, and it's not really his fault, but every time I saw him live, he just didn't have a very good game. And then I would circle back the next night or I'd get a text from a scout or I'd look at a score sheet and he had two goals and two assists the next night. So it was just kind of poor timing on my part when I saw him. So he's a little bit of a hot and cold player right now. Um, but the skills there and the compete factors there. So, and I know people like painting a, brush that Russians don't have the highest work ethic. I think we can pretty much throw that stereotype out the window now. I think the Russians are coming up a lot more with a lot higher work ethic than they previously had in maybe a generation or two ago when that was sometimes a knock on some of them. He competes. He works hard. He's physical. It's just he, the consistent factor, and he doesn't perform at least on the score sheet night in and night out, but he can shoot the puck and he can score goals, and Sometimes that's all you need on your roster is a guy that can score goals for you. So, and he's one of those players for me. When I saw Aaron Hoogland's name on the list, I, I seem to remember very early in the season, maybe around the Holinka Gretzky Cup, did he score some sort of highlight reel goal that uh, that had everybody talking at one point? Yeah, I think it was it was in the Holinka against Canada where he kind of scooped it up behind the net and did like a lacrosse style goal right. against Canada. Yep. And, you know, that speaks to, he's got, I think he's got underrated offensive skill because he doesn't always display it. I, I see him as a smart two-way center for me. He's a fantastic, I like his skating a lot. I think he has a good top gear, especially with the puck. I think he moves really well with the puck on a stick. Some guys, they downshift when they have the puck on the shift and on the stick and he actually seems to have an extra gear with it. So, and I think his offensive skill is a little bit underrated. I think he leaves some por- some points on the board some nights just because he takes care of things in his own end. So, I think he's a strong two-way player that um, I think he has upside in the off when he gets more offensive um, situations. He just um, I think he played beginning of the year and end of the year with Fargo. And they also used him as a primarily like a checking, you know, third, second, third center position and um, didn't always get the most offensive of situations. So um, I think there's good upside with Aaron Huglin. I think he's a smart player. Um, I'm excited to see him at the college level. He's committed to go to the University of Minnesota. And um, I'm excited to see him on that big ice sheet at, at Mariucci Arena, too, because I think his skating will just absolutely take off on that rink. So he's a player I'm excited to watch the next couple of years to see how he progresses. Yeah, uh, maybe slightly undersized, but uh, and he showed that skill at the Holinka Gretzky Cup, but then I didn't hear from him or about him for the rest of the year. Maybe that's because he was mm-hmm. playing high school or, or whatever, but uh, the way you've painted the picture, uh, I'm intrigued to see him at the next level, too. Uh, let's move on to... Uh, Vlad Firstov, who played in the USHL uh, this past season, uh, but I don't again not a guy that I had on the show, so uh, sort of off my radar. Uh, tell me about uh, Firstov. I think you know we talk about another Russian and a Fantasyev. I think Firstov kind of fits in that same mold, except for he's not as big, he's not as heavy of a player, but he's a goal scorer. He can score from anywhere in the offensive zone. I think his shot is excellent. He's got excellent one timing ability. 
one of the more accurate one-timers in the USHL that I could see. Um, he just doesn't bring it every night. There's some consistency issues there. There'd be some games where you'd hardly notice him, and then um, there's some games where he couldn't be contained and he would he would score two or three goals. So, um, But he's a highly offensive player. I think he just needs to get more consistent. I think he needs to bring some more awareness away from the puck. Um, he's going to be a winger. you know. I don't think he's ever going to play center ice. So um, his, his liability defensively maybe isn't going to be as big as if he was a centerman. But he's a pure goal scorer and he's got good hands and he can, he can beat guys one-on-one. And um, I like the way, especially, I think he played most of the power play that I saw on the half wall and he would kind of, when he didn't, when he wasn't the trigger man, he could kind of like draw defensemen in and create open ice on the power play and kind of slide the puck through. And um, he had good creativity with the puck, which is something that, um, that I think will get him drafted a lot higher than uh, some people think. I know I, speaking to some scouts, they weren't real high on him, um, but I think some team's going to really like his skill set, I think. Well, another guy that you think uh, will probably get drafted before uh, maybe where you guys have him ranked is Robert Master Simone. He's a, a fella, 31 goals, 60 points this year in 54 games for Chicago, But uh, and I've seen some... Uh, you know, interest at least over the course of the season sounded more like second round, maybe third round for him, uh, but maybe not so if uh, if you were running uh, the uh, the draft for my team. I think he's a he this. I think he's a scout tester this year. I, I really do. Um, his line was dynamic in Chicago. They were almost unstoppable on a nightly basis. They they played so well together that almost the numbers inflate themselves across the board for that line. I think because. They played so well and they fed off each other so well that I think you can't really read into the offense. Now, having said that, Master of Simone, I thought his game grew a lot this year, especially away from the puck. I'm not sure there was another player that I saw in the USHL that stripped more pucks on the back check than him. Like yeah. he's crafty, you know, he, and he puts forth a lot of effort coming back into the play. So, and, you know, on the attack too. And that's something that, he wasn't doing last year when I saw him in the USHL in his underage year. He wasn't the first one in the zone very often, and now he he, he was more assertive this year. So his game did grow um, as far as his play away from the puck. So he's a, he's an interesting. He's not the biggest kid in the world, but he competes. Um, he wins a lot of pucks and he strips pucks. So um, that proves to his hockey sense and his effort. So um, it wasn't a player I was tremendously high on to start the year, but I eventually came around on him towards the end of the year, and he just became too impressive in his all-around effort and game. His skating isn't real technically sound, but he gets to where he needs to be, and I think it's good enough for the NHL level. So um, he's another prospect that I think, like you said, I think he's going to go before I'd be willing to draft him, but that doesn't mean I don't like him as a player. I think he, I think he will be a – uh, interesting prospect for whoever drafts him. I think he's got a decent NHL future in him. And, and again, going to a, a really well-respected college program at, at BU, it's not like, you know, I'm not trying to slam anybody, but if he was going to Bentley or, you know, Niagara mm-hmm. or something like that, then maybe it, uh, it gives me pause. But going to BU, it, it almost uh, uh, is a plus, in my opinion, that 
You, you ever look at guys like that and say, well, we know he's going to get some good tutelage over the next couple of years? I do. I mean, I, I I tend not to knock a kid for his commitment. I mean, commitments change all the time anyway, right? So there could be a kid that's committed to whatever school and then at 15 years old, and then his commitment changes at 18. So you try not to put too much into the college commitment thing, but there are certain programs around the country that develop NHLers. It's just the way it is. So you you have to look at that. Um, and also it's the call, it's the culture and does college route is better for some kids than it is other. Maybe some kids need maturity. They need to be out on their own. They need to, they need more time in the gym, which is something that NCAA hockey offers. So you do weigh those things. I'm just not sure how much they go into it, but you're right. BU turns out so many NHLers that, you know, if you're going to choose between a kid's progression, you're going to choose the kid that's going to a school that turns out NHLers. It's just kind of the way it is. I think it's all part of the formula. All right, one more guy I want to ask you about, and I definitely needed to get to him. Uh, you only have uh, six goaltenders uh, actually getting ranked by HockeyProspect.com this year, and uh, one of them is Dominic. Now, is it Bass or Bassy? I think it's Bassy. All right, Dominic Bassy played a high school in Connecticut, but he's a monster, six foot five and a half, and 180 pounds. So, with that frame, he's still a bit of a stick, but he's getting close to Matt Sogard size. Tell me about him, because I'm told uh, you were one of the guys who brought him to the group. Yeah, he's uh, he's big, like you said. He's a butterfly goalie. I think his his east west movement is very good. It's just not explosive. It's more smooth. And I think as he gets stronger, because you like you said, he is kind of a stick right now. He does need to get stronger physically. I think his explosiveness east to west will improve because he, the technical aspect is there. I just don't think the strength is yet. And I think he, he could benefit from playing a little bit more aggressive. But the one thing that stood out stood out to me about his game is his ability to rebound from either a bad goal or a bad game. He almost, every viewing I saw of him, he and he gave up a bad goal early, he slammed the door afterwards. So, um, or had a bad game, the next game he would come back and he was lights out. So that speaks to the mental aspect of the goaltending, which I think is a massive part of it. I think mental factors into the kid's work ethic, mental factors into the kid's ability to, um, you know, withstand adversity and bounce back from it. The mental side of the game is much bigger for a goaltender, in my view, than it is in any other position. You can go out and hit somebody if you're a defenseman or a forward and get your aggression out. A goalie, you're not allowed to do that. So I factor his ability to rebound from uh, miscues as a high upside in uh, or a high intangible of his NHL upside. So um, I think it's a very raw canvas. I think he's going to need a lot of coaching, and but the the framework is there for him to be an excellent goalie prospect down the road. So um, I saw him at the tier one net or at the U S national uh, tournament. And he was, uh, didn't have a great team in front of him. And I thought, I thought he handled it very well. So he was somebody that um, popped onto the radar early and he just stayed there. And, and it's not a, it wasn't a great draft. I don't think it is for goalies. I think, um, there's a reason we probably only have six because none of them really jump out at us, but he was one that jumped out and um, and stayed there. Dustin, do you know where he's playing? Because I'm looking at his elite prospects page, and they list him as going to Colorado College in 2021-22, which is not next year, not the year after that, but three years uh, from now. 
Um, I can't yeah. see. I know. It, I think it was Youngstown that drafted him. I don't know if he's going to the USHL next year. I, he's from apparently he's from Virginia, but playing in Maryland or, or Connecticut. So I'm not sure if he's got a connection. If if a team from the Q or from the OHL has his CHL rights, so you know what his plans are. I haven't heard what his plans are yet. I think academically, I think he's still a junior in high school. So theoretically, I think he could go back to Selects Academy if he wanted to. Um, I would be shocked if he didn't play junior either in the NA or the USHL next year. I think that might be the best route for him to get more starts. And I think he's probably, if I had to venture guess, he's probably going to play the place that will get him the most starts. So sometimes... Goalies have to go to the NAHL to do that. Sometimes they know they're going to split time in the USHL and they got to go to the NA to get more starts. So um, I, I think he's ready for junior hockey. I think it would be a good next step for him. I don't, I see him going to college well before that, but it all depends on where he, where he is at academically too. That has a lot to do with it. Right. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to find out where he plays because well, I haven't heard yet. I might have to try to get him on the show. Um all right, well, that is a rather lengthy list of players that uh, we just ch- chatted about. Uh, and as usual, when you're on the show, Dustin, you knock it out of the park. Great to catch up once again. Thanks for your time today. Enjoy the draft uh, and looking forward to uh, next season already. Yeah, you too. Enjoy the draft. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. A rather lengthy list of players and a great job by Dustin Braxman to break it all down for us in regards to all of those guys. And there are some players there, you see the rankings, and you're like, oh, wow, I was a little surprised by that, whether they're you know, higher or lower than you may have expected. But great reasoning and explanation there from uh, Dustin on why that could be. All right, that was a long segment, so let's get right to the next one as well. We're heading overseas. We're going to Sweden. Johan Lindemann Carlson makes his return to the Pipeline Show. He's a scout with HockeyProspect.com. Let's get to know some of the Swedes eligible for the draft this year. That's next here on the Pipeline Show. Hi, it's Moritz Seider from the Adler Mannheim of Germany. Zwei auf eins, Isis mit Seider und gemacht sein erstes Deal-Tor. Fünf eins, Mannheim, Moritz Seider. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today.